0: We're going to pick up where we were three weeks ago, the second part of a message, but we'll go through the first part. Our subject title was Facing Opposition. And we're reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 to verses 13 to 16. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out, They are not pleasing to God but hostile to all men hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins but wrath has come upon them to the utmost. We're just going to review how we looked at that first part and that was that The church in Thessalonica, the believers there, had received the word. They were receptive to it, and not only were they receptive, but they accepted it, as it says, not as the word of men, but as the word of God. As a result, they came to faith, and we had a look at that uh, saying there, faith was forsaking all, I trust him. And I found this quote from Martin Luther as well, which I added in, but faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. I know not the way God leads me, but well do I know my guide. And this is where the church was at. And what he's encouraging them is that in their, in their suffering and in their persecution, it, the work of the Holy Spirit is evident. It's effective. It, uh, it uses the Greek word energio, from which we get energize. Um, this is not a Duracell battery <laughs> or an ever ready battery. This is the Holy Spirit performing his work in those who believe. And the result was that they replicated the faithful. They were faithful in spite of opposition. So they, he comments that they were imitating their brothers in the churches in Judea. Remember, the difference here is that the church is largely Gentile. In Judea, the church was largely Jewish. And, uh, but they were imitating their Jewish brothers there that were suffering Uh, persecution from the religious leadership uh, there in Judea. As a result, they were suffering and they endured the same sufferings at the hand of your own countrymen there, receiving it mostly from Gentiles. It was started by by Jewish opposition, but it was picked up and run with by the local population that worshipped other pagan gods that didn't want this message going out and having its impact and just as the Jews had uh, from their religious leaders there in Judea. So that brings us uh, back to where we're up to now. Satan has been busy stirring up hatred for Israel and the Jews. And where it's been particularly profound in the weeks since, uh, since we last shared this passage is particularly among... Uh, elite, uh, college students, university students in the US but around the world. I read while I was uh, reflecting on these things uh, an article, I was searching back through some articles in Israel My Glory and this one was from 1993, 30 years ago. And the article was saying that there was a concerted Muslim infiltration of US academic institutions and concerned about the impact of that in the longer term. Well, that's what we're seeing today. Um, the story's told and we see the, the, the hatred, you know, please keep the world clean and they're putting Jews in the rubbish bin. We haven't seen that stuff since the 1930s. Uh, in fact, there was one, this lady's not the one, uh, that's uh, obviously a, a, a Muslim background girl, uh, but there was one for a uh, medical student in uh, Norway. She's now been kicked out of that course because of her anti-Semitic sentiments. number of folk, it is coming out, that as they've taken these stands, have lost jobs and things like that because of the consequences of their actions. Uh, just the, 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 the demonic hatred that is going on around the world... Um, even signs like this appearing on people's houses in France, in America, uh, in many places. Uh, I was reading that the incidence of uh, anti-Semitic uh, comment, uh, attacks going on in Israel, um, in, in England, has gone up by a thousand percent. And in fact, I watched a little video clip. Uh, a guy was speaking on the is that two... Uh, there was this pro-Palestinian protest going on and two English guys come with the English flag. And the police tell them to take it down because it might be mildly offensive and they could be, they could be arrested for raising the English flag in England. Meanwhile, the, the Palestinian pro-Palestinian protesters, protesters had ISIS flags and very strong anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic stuff. Our world is going upside down. my um, ear said many years ago, "We we Jews have a secret weapon in our struggle with the Arabs. We have no place to go. They come back to the land because they they have been opposed. No, they're not. It's not the the nation isn't believing yet. And uh, there are many things. But fortunately, there are many churches. We haven't." done that here but I've been away for a couple of weeks but that are standing making clear they stand with Israel and nations that have done this I think that was in actually in Hungary despite Hungary's position against the Ukraine um, these are folk that have clearly came out to speak in solidarity with what's going on the the lies unfortunately I don't believe everything you hear in our media by the way there is a strong leftist influence in much of our media, a strong anti-Semitic uh, viewpoint that is rising. Uh, I suggest you, you look for sources that may be closer to the truth, and we have a number of those that I've been following. Um, but war, of course, is complex, and there, there is suffering. Uh, but most of the Western media quotes the stuff out of Gaza and the numbers they quote of dead, where do they come from? They come from the authority, the Hamas authorities. And so just, you know, and they've been prepared to lie. Many of the photographs that you see are actually staged and fabricated and there are other photos that can show you just how they were being done. Uh, It's so blatant and yet people are believing it. But this is a similar circumstance that Israel faces today and by the way one of the ironic effects in Israel is that four weeks ago Israel was deeply divided left and right uh, Haredi Orthodox were, were attacking Christian missionaries most of that has dissipated today they are working together in fact for the first time the Orthodox are, are signing up in large numbers to join the Israeli Defence Force they were exempt from it previously so a lot of things are happening. There are Christians in the... Uh, and, and one of the interesting things is e- even the Orthodox are accepting Christians to come and pray with them. So that, that God is doing stuff in the midst of it uh, and our prayers need to be yes for Jews, yes for Arabs, for Palestinian folk, um, even for Hamas individuals, that they would have their eyes opened to what's really going on and what's really behind it all. As Warren Reesby notes, uh, it, it, here is, here is uh, Paul encouraging this suffering church in Thessalonica. And it's one of the great values of the local church. We stand together in times of difficulty and encourage one another. He says it was when Elijah isolated himself from the other faithful Israelites that he became discouraged and wanted to quit. One reason Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonica was to encourage the believers. A lonely saint is very vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. And we need each other in the battles of life. Now we come to the, the difficult part where he He's dealing with those who are doing the persecution. And his focus goes first back to the Jewish folk that he had encountered. Remember, Paul was one of them. Paul persecuted the early church. He he pursued them. He was on his way to Damascus to imprison, possibly to even have believers of the way stoned to death like Stephen had been and he was there at Stephen's and they laid uh, Stephen's robes at the feet of a young Saul. And he's on the way to do these very same things when he meets the Lord and he knows the Shekinah glory, the light from heaven. Uh, Who are you, Lord, he cries out. We'll look at that as we come into it. But one of the things that uh, is that was... uh, the Jewish leadership, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were resisting the word. And we ought to expect opposition to God's word. And so what he deals with now are the negative responses to God's truth. He's talked about their positive responses. And uh, this is, as Paul Bruce Hurt notes, this is the only place in Paul's writings where the Jews are stated to be responsible for Messiah's death and the intensity of this denunciation is without peril in his writing, parallel in his writings. But don't for a minute think or allow this passage to be used to justify anti-Semitism. Because we'll, we'll demonstrate why as we go through it. But of those religious leaders, he says they are persecutors in verse 15 who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They're not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men. Persecution was ever-present in the early church. Persecution was usually initiated by hostile Jewish religious leaders, Pharisees and Sadducees, trying to use the Roman authorities to help them. As David Guzik notes, Paul comforted these suffering Christians with the assurance that they were not the first to suffer this way. And should God allow suffering to come? And many of the warnings coming out of the present activities, both from Hamas and the the various uh, jihadist groups, is that we're we're coming for the West as well. We're coming for Christians. We'll get rid of the Jews first and then we're coming after you. So those days, who know what God will allow in terms of uh, the events? We know that Israel will still stand but know that suffering may come, persecution may come. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. Not because you've done things that that they're rightly accusing you of, but because of your faith in Jesus. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. One commentary notes this, Paul's concerns here do not spring from anti-Semitism, we'll look at it again towards the end of the message, but especially since Paul elsewhere identifies with and shows compassion and concern for his fellow Jewish countrymen, Romans 11, 1-2. Even though Paul self-identified as the apostle to the Gentiles, he typically went first to the synagogue in each city he visited. In the synagogue, Paul proclaimed the Messiah Jesus in keeping with his statements that the gospel is to the Jew first. Paul desired that the success of his Gentile ministry might call his Jewish countrymen to worship Jesus the Messiah, and we will look at a verse in that line. Indeed, Gentile believers are grafted into Israel as God's people. And it is this renewed Israel of believing Jews and Gentiles that will be saved. That commentary, I would probably slightly word that slightly differently, but the general principle. Who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets. The Jewish religious leaders killed the prophets before the Lord Jesus who reminded them of their guilt. In Matthew 23, 29 he says to 31 woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say if we had been living in the days of our fathers we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets so you testify against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets in Luke eleven forty-seven, 47, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. Luke 24, 20, and, now the, and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Stephen rhetorically asked the Jews who were about to kill him, Which of the prophets their ancestors did not kill in Acts 7.52. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. The answer, of course, is that for most of the history of God sending prophets to Israel, it wasn't Gentiles who were killing the prophets, it was the Jews who killed their own. Yet it was the cry of Christians in earlier periods that shouted Christ killers horrendous uh, things that uh, were done in the name of Christ in the face of Jewish people that hindered the witness of the Messiah and instead of hatred it should be with the compassion of Jesus that we pray and reach out to Jewish friends Jesus said in Matthew 23:37 Jerusalem Jerusalem who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Paul says, and they drove us out. Grant Richardson notes the Jews also persecuted Christians throughout Judea. The word persecuted comes from two words, out and to pursue. They pursued Christians out of Judea. This carries the idea of driving out or banishing Christians systematically from their province. They put together a program to harass Christians. Paul's vivid description of the scene was told in Acts 17.5. But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. And attacking the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring them out to the people. So Paul sees what happened to the missionaries in Thessalonica as the latest in a long series of examples of Jewish hostility to the word of God. Such hostility toward the church represents hostility towards Christ. And remember, keep this in mind with the uh, Muslim opposition to Jews and Christians. In Acts 9, 4-5, it says, And he fell to the ground and heard a loud voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. John MacArthur notes, When Paul came to Thessalonica, it was no different there. They had conflict with Jewish opponents there. The opposition was constant. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. uh, Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I have spent in the deep. By the way, if you haven't seen what went on on October 7th and you don't want to see it all, but perhaps you need to be aware of some of the things, the descriptions of what I've seen and heard go far worse even than the things that Paul suffered here. They are horrendous and there is no justification. He was in a severe and life-threatening conflict with them all the time, including stoning him to death. And he says, they are not pleasing to God. These Jews were not acceptable to God. His Jewish enemies think they are serving God when they are really not. And do you see a parallel today? The Islamists think they're serving Allah. Got their understanding of God but is not the true God. They thought that they pleased God by their fanatic religious ideas but their zeal did not please God at all. No rationalisation justifies this kind of action. And it has been troubling to see people justifying the things that happened on October the 7th. There is no justification. In Romans 8, 7-8, to Because the mind is set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. By implication, he is comforting the Thessalonian Christians with the awareness that they were right, that they are the ones pleasing to God. Those who please God do not primarily please themselves or others. They please God by faith. Hebrews 11:6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And in opposing the early church and the message of the gospel, they oppose all mankind. The Greek word here, in antios, means from in, which is in, and antios, to set against. It means to be contrary, adverse, hostile, marked by malevolence, often opposition and resistance. Bruce Hurt notes that God's chosen people were set apart by God in order that through them he might bless all men so departed from their original purpose that here Paul says they are hostile to all men. The Jewish religious leaders operated in a way that was contrary to or a reversal of how people should operate. They used hostility as their mode of operation. Paul himself, before his conversion, was one of these persecutors. It's in all humanity's interest to hear the gospel that offers salvation to stand in the way of the gospel is therefore to oppose all mankind. Satan wants to stand in the way of the gospel. He wants to attack God's plan of redemption and God's plan of salvation. God has made eternal promises regarding Israel. Not all Israel is yet, is yet believing Israel. There is a growing number of Messianic believers, but God will work through the nations. And through the nation of Israel to bring about, we read just not that long ago, like just a few months back, Revelation uh, Zechariah 12 to 14. And he foretells the things and the Jews will continue suffering. As much as October 7th was there, 9-11, 15 times over, that we'll talk about in terms of representative numbers against the population, in Zechariah 12 to 14, we read that two-thirds of the, of the nation, if not the city of Jerusalem, are going to die in that, next, in that major conflict just before the Lord returns. But he's going to protect that remnant, that one-third who see him, and they weep for what they had done to him. They will turn to him yet. In Acts 26, verses 14 and 15, Paul... Uh, says, and when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. They were not only persecutors, but they were hinderers. Verse 16 says, they were hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. It means to clip, to lop, so you think of cutting off something, uh, to, to cut off, to short, cut short, to weaken and generally to hinder, to prevent, to check, to restrain or to forbid by word or act. That's what Hamas has been doing to any Palestinians who wanted to heed the warnings of, of, of the Israeli army. To go south, they've been doing everything, including killing their own people, to hinder them uh, leaving and not being used as human shields. This is what the Jewish people were doing here to the Christians in this early stage. This is not all Jews. This is, of course, the religious leadership who are fanatic. And the idea is to cause something not to happen. To hinder makes means to slow or dif- uh, make the difficult the progress of something by interfering in some way with the activity or progress thereof to make it difficult for someone to do something or for something to happen. By the way, where is the church strongest in the world? It's strongest today, the they tell us. The church in today is where? It's in Iran, they tell us. The growth of the church in Iran is quite staggering. They are being persecuted. They're under the leadership of the very centre of hatred for the world, certainly for the Western world, but they want to establish a, a, a Muslim caliphate. Hamas got a, made a tremendous mistake. They took a weakened country, attacked it, and they united it, and, and bringing a strength and a resolve that wasn't there a month ago. The church, when it is persecuted, will strengthen. Some will fall away because they're being tested to see what their substance really is, whether it's really a faith or whether they're living by sight. Paul was saying that the unbelieving Jews were holding people back from being saved. They were hindering the, preachable of the preaching of the gospel of salvation the jewish religious leaders did religious leaders did not want christ as their savior and that's exactly what the hasidic jews were doing only weeks ago attacking jewish missionaries or christian messianic christian groups bitterly even physically and violently today they're working with we're <laughs> working with the same groups and thanking them for their prayers uh, it's just staggering On virtually every occasion when Paul delivered the Messianic good news in these synagogues, he eventually faced great opposition in Pisidian Antioch in Acts 13, in Iconium in Acts 14, in Lystra in Acts 14, in Thessalonica in Acts 17, in Berea in Acts 17, in Corinth in Acts 18, and later in Ephesus in Acts 19. Eventually this culminated in Paul's imprisonment and in Jewish attempts to have him put to death. Paul invariably met with a mixed response amongst his Jewish countrymen with some believing in Jews but others refusing to do so. The outcome of all of this uh, says in the second part of verse 16 with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins but wrath has come upon them to the utmost. They fill up the measure of their sins. Fanaticism will continue to do that. As Grant Richardson says, the words fill up come from a Greek word meaning to fill up adequately or completely. The Jews so persisted in their antagonism and unbelief that they completely engrossed themselves in negative volition toward God. They rounded out their sin and brought it to completion. They sped up God's judgments, denoting a fixed limit on their actions. That's why I say pray for Hamas soldiers. If you've seen any of the recent testimonies, a former jihadists who've been confronted by the Lord Jesus, often in visions. It's just amazing to see the turnaround from bitter hatred to becoming a people of love, even for their Jewish cousins. Tremendous to see what God is doing. Uh, The same amongst Jews, the same amongst Arabs, amongst Palestinians, the opportunities are there. The persecutors of believers are sometimes allowed to continue their sinful conduct. And I guess that's one of the things we struggle with most in terms of dealing with the sovereignty of God and his allowing the the sort of suffering that happened on October 7th. But God will bring it about for his purposes. He doesn't create evil, but he allows it for a time to bear its fruit And he stands with his own and is faithful. God's response of judgment will unquestionably be seen as an administration of righteousness. There is a limit to God's patience. And the fact that the wrath of God is spoken of here in the present, not the future tense, affirms the certainty that it was in the process of coming even. Now, this is written some 20 years before AD 70. There are a number of things that could be in Paul's mind. Um, Genesis 6-3, though, going back to before the uh, flood, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he, is also, he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Always, here in this verse 16, uh, means they are always blind and stubborn. God allows people to go to the point that they harden. Amazingly, he turns some back and brings them to repentance and confession of sin and seeking after him and totally changes their being. In Matthew 13, Jesus says this to these religious leaders, of of the religious leaders, therefore I speak to them in parables because while seeing they do not see and while hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the hearts of this people has become dull. Their ears, with their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart in return, and I would heal them. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. Uh, actually, if you, you look at it here, and I won't read it out, uh, what Paul's saying here is an exact parallel to things that Jesus had said earlier, speaking of, of these things. Such opposition to the Messiah of God rightly deserves God's wrath. And the word come upon means to anticipate, to reach, to attain. God's wrath has reached them sooner than they expected it and it overtook them. Of course, uh, they were going through the times where they're stirring up the Romans and, and things were happening. John MacArthur notes, has come is in the Arist tense, which is a particular Greek uh, text, tense, which affirms that Paul was so certain that divine wrath would come that he expressed the notion as if it had already occurred, and historically it had occurred in the Babylonian exile, he, um, <clears throat> in Ezekiel 8 to 11. His expression likely includes the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70, although then nearly 20 years off, and it denotes the eschatological, that is, the prophetic wrath to come when Jesus returns to earth in judgment in Revelation 19. But primarily the expression points to the the damnation of people who reject God. That too was so certain that Paul could write it off as if it had already occurred. Those Jews, those performing the persecution and opposition, had met all the prerequisites for future damnation. In John 3.36, Jesus said, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And Warren Wisby notes, uh, in one sense, judgment had already fallen on Israel, for they were a scattered people, and their nation in Palestine was under Roman rule. But an even greater judgment was to fall in the future, for in AD 70, the Roman armies besieged Jerusalem, destroyed the city and the temple and ended the period of God's patience with his people during the ministry of the apostles. It is tragic but true that the righteous suffered because of the sins of the wicked. Saints have been saved to the uttermost, but sinners will experience wrath to the uttermost. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is able to save to the uttermost, this is from the ESV, not the New American Standard, uh, save completely is the New American Standard here. To save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And in Hebrews 4.2, the writer says, For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Now the only proper attitude towards the Jews who killed Christ, the Jews who killed the prophets, the Jews who pursued and endeavoured to kill the apostles is the attitude of Christ who sought to forgive them, of Stephen who sought that God should not hold this sin against them, of Paul who grieved so deeply he could have wished to give up his own salvation for theirs. This this should be the very... Heart of compassion towards these unbelieving people. And I say again, the same for Muslims. The same uh, for those who've caused, done these horrendous things. We're called to love our enemies. You know, we recoil at that when it comes to facing a bitter persecution, bitter suffering. Uh, surely, Lord, I could have an exception for not loving this one. Look at what they've done to me but he calls on us to love our enemies. Pray for your enemies. So this is one of the things in this time, whether, whether it be from a Jewish perspective or from a Muslim perspective, we need to be praying. In Luke 19, 41, we read, when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known this in this day, even you, the things which make for peace but now they have been hidden from your eyes. Paul says in Romans 9, 1 to 8, and I'm just going to review a few things here to get the perspective that Paul is not being anti-Semitic. Uh, Paul is deeply burdened for the Jewish people, even though he's an apostle to the Gentiles. In Romans 9, 1 to 8, he says, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption of sons, and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the Lord, is Christ according to the flesh, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen." But it is not as though the word of God has failed for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants but through Isaac your descendants will be known in other words through faith. That is not the children of the flesh uh, that is it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. In Romans 10, 1-4, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is, is for their salvation. For in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And in Romans 11, 1 to 5, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In the same way, then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. In Romans eleven, eleven, I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be, but by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. All of mankind is left with a choice in how we respond to God's truth. Much of the world is choosing against the things of God in their pursuit of blindness. Where is the hatred for Israel coming from? It's coming from a demonic root. And in blindness, many just go along with it, stirred up by the crowd, stirred up by the authority. But of course, we must deal ourselves. Have you received the word of God as the word of God? as Paul says as it really is have you responded to him by faith and are you walking with him by faith we are in this desperate time we should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem because that's what scripture tells us to do and that is ultimately the fulfillment of Messiah's coming when the Prince of Peace, only when the Prince, there'll be a false peace before it during the Great Tribulation, but only when the Prince of Peace himself reigns from Jerusalem will there be a peace for a thousand years. So we're to pray for that peace to come. It will mean that there will be great turmoil at times in God's plan and history as he's working it out. But we are to pray for Israel. Yes, we're to pray for uh, those from the nation that we, we have been grafted into. We're to pray for Jews, to have their eyes open. But we're also to pray for Arabs, for Palestinians, and as I've said, even for Hamas operatives, that they might have their eyes opened, as some already have, some various jihadists who are giving testimony today of transformed lives it isn't of one side versus another. It is of what God is doing in this world and for his purposes and for his glory. And Israel is a part, although much of the church denies this, Israel is a part of God's plan and his purposes. And we ought to stand with those, with ministries that are seeking to help, yes, um, on all sides, but particularly that we would not believe lies, that we would not be stirred up by uh, the, the images of suffering. Suffering is there. But not all of what you see is real, nor is what all of what you are told real. And that in the fog of war can be from both sides, of course. But look to God and pray for his work to be done there. Pray, help where you're able. Um, I was disappointed two weeks ago. It might have been last weekend. Global Mission Partners had a... Uh, and I noticed this week it's changed. They, they were calling for a prayer for the Middle East. Um, but they took a very pro-Palestinian line in that they told about the Al-Aliya Hospital, which most sources now have said wasn't, as Hamas said said, that Israel had blown up. You know, the hospital, well the hospital was never blown up, it was a car park and there were not 500 um, uh, casual, uh, dead casualties uh, they, they came out with that within minutes of the explosion Israel's taken three to four weeks to count the number of their dead from the October 7 massacre because they wanted to know exact and truth and reality It is a complicated conflict, but pray in seeking the Lord to accomplish his will and purposes. Be discerning. But the key is, are we believing the word of God? If we were faced, as, as the Thessalonian believers were, could Paul say the same of us? Would we stand firm despite the opposition? I remember back to ISIS not so long ago. And Christians were being beheaded and they were saying deny deny Jesus or we'll take your head off. Many of them stood there and were beheaded. Would we stand? Could we? Is our faith in him and trusting in his word and the promises that he will reward those who believe him? There's so many thoughts going around and it was a difficult couple of verses, particularly as it could look like a, a passage that speaks of anti-Semitism. But beware of the spirit that is in this world and be looking to him for wisdom and guidance. Let's just come to him in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just really pray Pray for the wisdom of the leadership uh, in Israel. Yes, most of it is unbelieving yet. But they're a nation that stands to resist the pressures against them. And we pray for their wisdom. We do pray, yes, for believers in um, in, in in Gaza and in the West Bank, they've been pawns in a very strong political game by the by many of their Arab and Muslim leadership. We pray for the Muslim believers there that may have even rejoiced. On on October the seventh, we see the great practice every time that Israelis are that they hand out lollies and sweets understand rejoicing we cannot begin to believe this understand this mindset but they are deceived and, and father we we just pray for them to see the reality as i listen to the testimonies of former hamas people former jihadists former plo people they all come to the place to realize and uh, you often just like Saul on the road to Damascus, you confront them in in dreams and visions that open the way to them understanding the word of God. And Father, we just pray for those opportunities, whether it be uh, Arab Christians who many have been raised with a hatred for the Jews and the people of Israel in the name of Christ or for so many others that have been raised in bitter hatred, even trained in in kindergartens as to how to fight and kill Jews. Oh, Father, we just pray against this evil spirit that is working to try to quell, to try to uh, persecute, to try to hinder the gospel going forward and we pray that the result would actually be the reverse. There would be a multiplication of